0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Design Party, where we talk about product design, product development, startups, and everything in between. I'm your host, Antonia, and I'm a product designer. In this episode, I invited my friend Lena from Berlin to talk a little bit about imposter syndrome. And this time, we're going to talk from marketing and designer perspective. So let's hear it.
1: Just prior to setting this up was imposter
0: syndrome. So maybe we can start there. Imposter syndrome. Yes. So... I kind of tackled that topic from various angles, but this is the first time I'm tackling this topic with somebody who is not a designer. So I'm looking forward to hearing what's up.
1: Perfect. That sounds good.
0: Well, from my side,
1: I I watched your clip on imposter syndrome, and a lot of what you had to say was more about the fact that especially in UX design, you teach yourself a lot, and there's a lot of self-taught practice that goes into it just because the field keeps developing so fast. What I'm experiencing is a little bit different, and I'm not sure if imposter syndrome is the right word. It's more this generalist in marketing, where marketing is my main field, and I have looked into all different areas of marketing. I've looked into content marketing, into The classical like digital and paid marketing. So there's just, it's a very, very broad spectrum. And when you become a generalist, usually you are not really specialized in a certain thing. So then when the time comes to come to podcasts or to speak to anyone else about (laughs) it, you do not feel like an expert. So what I've been experiencing the past couple of weeks is that I've been thinking to myself, I've been working in marketing for seven-ish years. I've been studying the whole thing for about 10 years and still when someone asks me to be an expert and to be on a panel I'm like no I, I don't know marketing. I can't go there which <laughs> obviously is complete, completely false only because I'm not specialized in one certain branch of marketing. I wouldn't go sit on an event marketing panel even though I've done a ton of events. I wouldn't go sit on a PR panel even though I've worked at PR agencies. It's, It's very weird to think of it that way and that's I think saying it out loud is when you notice that it's really just in your head. So it's it's interesting from that angle, just how being a generalist affects how you feel about that and how you feel about your expertise level but i was also reading a lot of topics on the t-shaped marketer which has come up over the years i mean it's it's nothing new and a lot of people are actually very much for it because as a t-shaped marketer that's exactly what i am i have my expertise that's very broad i mean the benefit of it is that my expertise is very broad and i've looked into everything a little bit and i feel very comfortable very flexible adaptable to new topics for that reason but then i have one or two specializations on work that I do almost every day, like content marketing, for instance.
0: That's super interesting. Why do you think where this fear or insecurity comes from? What do you think happened there? I think it's the classical
1: model of career paths and the classical model of how things used to work. And that doesn't really hold true for 2020 anymore. I mean, in the past, you had your job, you specialized in something and to move forward, A lot of times you followed a specialist role to be able to move up the ranks and to build your career on it. And then it's very easy to say that you're an expert in something. But especially today, and this holds true just as much for design as it does for marketing or anything in digital, the landscape is changing so fast that even saying you're an expert in one topic today could be completely false in two years just because of what happened. That whole idea of being an expert by focusing on something extremely specialized is kind of false at this point. So it's more, I think, a mindset shift than anything else and just the classical terms of how you think an expert should look or what they should know
0: yeah that's that's actually a very interesting angle looking at things like you can specialize in something but then old technology or old landscape switches to something else and then you're actually not specialized in something anymore because everything is new so maybe it's more of a question can you even be a specialist for something but uh, maybe for some things you cannot be like a specialist but more as a person who has a history that certain topic, which doesn't make you necessarily a specialist. Because, for example, I've seen, at least in design, that some people spend their whole lives. For example, I remember back in the day, I was uh, briefly working with one designer who was substantially older than me. And, uh, you know, like uh, his resume and everything looked uh, impeccable. And it seemed that he's a god of design because he spent 20 years in design or more. I don't know. But when it actually came down to working together, he was so rusty, like he didn't really know all the new stuff. So are you really specialized for design when you don't even know what happened in the past three years? And, you know, somebody who just picked it up is faster and more efficient and more creative, actually, than you using these tools. I, I think it's it's actually a great angle to look at things. And I, I think people still value people who have this, let's call it, specialty in something when in other words that actually means they just spent more years messing around with something it doesn't necessarily mean they know stuff about it they just spent years like just being there but also when it comes to specializing i can relate i am at the point of my career where i'm thinking okay i need to start specializing with something. Otherwise, I'm always going to be this like generalist type of designer suitable for early startups. And I will not get a chance to work in something bigger with something, you know, that matters a little bit more because it touches more people and blah, blah, blah. And I still think kind of like in the beginning of career, it's like super fine to be generalist and know a little bit of something about majority of topics. And then work your way through a certain specialty, let's call it that way, within your career. But also, I have very divided opinions about that. I'm still not like made peace completely with the topic. I consider myself a little bit of generalist still, in a way, because of all the topics I can tackle. But then when it comes to tackling each of these topics, many times I saw that actually I know more than some people who also called themselves generalists. So maybe you can be like specialist in different fields, not just one. Do you think a person should be specialized in one topic, for example, in marketing?
1: I think that's really hard nowadays. I think just specializing in one topic in marketing nowadays is uh, a little bit of the issue. Yes, definitely expertise is something important. And I think it's also important here based on your colleague to not confuse expertise with experience. Because experience is there, and experience will always be valued. Of course, what I know now is a lot more valuable than what I knew at the beginning of my career. As much as I, I don't want to discredit that time, I know I feel more comfortable in certain topics now. And I think it's gaining that confidence through experience that's important, because a lot of what happens when you feel like you are not the expert is that it's more lack of confidence than anything else. Um, you, When you discussed that you would read in on certain topics or that you would try to become the expert on a certain topic. All of that is more or less to, well, fake it till you make it and also mm. to cover up and, and be more confident that way. So experience is still very, very valuable. I think nowadays, especially in fields like design and marketing, you cannot be the expert in one thing per se, or you shouldn't necessarily specialize in one topic. Unless, of course, there, I mean, there are valuable fields where you can say there's this one area and I know that job will be there in the next 40 years but to be honest which ones are they that's currently my question I mean until now if I had said oh my specialty is event marketing and then you have COVID-19 and there are no events worldwide well what do I do now do I not have a job so I think adapting to what's happening and adapting to whatever the current circumstance or issues are that's much more valuable. And that's something that a generalist can provide. So the good thing is that because you're a generalist, first of all, you know how to research. You know that if there's a new topic that you're not experienced in, you know where to look, you know who to ask, you know how to start that process. Same with me. If I have a new tool that I've never seen before, I will learn about that tool, I will get the expertise, I will test it out and I will definitely try and figure out how I can map this into my portfolio so that I can build up that expertise. If I have certain other departments that I work with, for instance, design or web development, I usually check in with my devs and with my designers first how long certain tasks will take. I might, for instance, if it's it's a simple Photoshop task, I might just open up Photoshop myself, try it out just to see how long I would need to do it just to get a feel for what they're doing and what's happening there and I think that's definitely a benefit of being that generalist because you have that innate interest in everything so that you're not stuck in saying well you know my expertise is really just content marketing but I do not look at the design angle so I don't really care what you're doing because I think that would be that would be detrimental.
0: I completely 110% agree with you here now that I think about it, I think I little more about to the side of, yeah, it's better to be like a generalist than like, uh, quote unquote, like specialist in certain field, because of what you just mentioned. If you have a task that is unknown for you, you will freaking or fucking, we can curse on this podcast, find a way to get that knowledge. You will find people who can help you. Just, and also because... You're not working solo. For every project I've been to, it's been like at least five people. It's not just you and you're pulling off that project. I I really don't recall ever being in a situation like that. It's always developers, project managers, uh, marketing specialists, other designers, uh, bosses of all sorts so many stakeholders and decision makers and just people working with you. And the more you know, the more you know about what they're doing, about their roles. So you can be a better colleague, you can be uh, more efficient at what you're doing because you can anticipate limitations or you can be a little bit more creative if you know what's possible. So, yeah, basically, bottom line, people, you need to hire a generalist. <laughs> well, I, would not necessarily
1: make that. I, I like that bottom line. That's an interesting angle. I would not necessarily say that as as the main thing. But especially if you are a generalist, I would say don't worry and don't feel like an imposter or don't feel like you're a fraud because asking the questions, educating yourself on the spot with whatever new topic comes in is your true value, actually. So it's it's, it's more about... Giving courage to the generalist, giving to anyone who hasn't necessarily specialized and isn't sure what to specialize in. You can always become more T-shaped. You can stretch those branches on your T at the top and, and just see how many different fields and, and tools, activities, channels you can look into. But at the same time, if you really have a passion for something, to just go for it and dive a bit deeper. <clears throat> so that's I think that's more the gist of it for me. And, yes,
0: completely um, agree. Uh, and also one important thing that maybe uh, is missed by <clears throat> uh, people a lot. Even if you know a little bit about the topic, it's easier than ever to research and become so freaking knowledgeable in just few hours, minutes, days. Like knowledge is on the internet. People are sharing knowledge like crazy. It's super affordable to even get to some courses uh, that are online. And stuff like that, maybe even find mentoring. People are so willing to share these days. It's very different. Maybe back in the day, people valued more somebody who is specialized in something that's very conflated with experience, but it was harder to get the knowledge, right? You have to read the book, you have to go somewhere to get the knowledge. Right now, you can sit on your ass in your own room and become an expert on the topic or learn a new skill completely without moving from a room. So if you're afraid that, oh my God, I don't know how to use, I don't know, Google AdWords or whatever, like some tool, you you see it for the first time, worry not. You're like just one Google away from pool of knowledge you can just absorb in one afternoon and be fully capable of, I don't know, running a campaign by yourself or understanding all these acronyms or whatever is happening there. So yeah. I don't know. Like, internet is so lagging. like A couple of times, it was just like, bah, 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 so I don't know. Like, when it's lagging, when it's like just an awkward pause. Uh, you were saying?
1: I was saying that was very nicely put. If you want to set up Google AdWords, to just Google the campaign, yeah. I do love that statement. That's definitely the case. <laughs> but <clears throat> I agree with you. It's one click away, and that's why the whole idea of being an expert is kind of put on its head from what it used to mean and and what an expert used to require. So I think from that angle, it's interesting to look at and it's definitely interesting to see how everything is shaping up and especially in our industries, what's happening. The other big plus basically with being a generalist is also the different actual industries and verticals you can look into because they're limitless. You're not experienced in just one field. You're not just doing, let's say, if you're looking at industries, just for my personal path, I've worked on on accounts for for the food like for the fmcg industry for pharmaceuticals for b2b e-commerce there's just there's a big range and i know that if i had specialized in something specific i would not have been able to to have and utilize this range and that might be something more for people who are interested in in the startup or agency world but i don't think so i think nowadays having the broad expertise definitely is a plus so from that angle, I mean, the basics stay the same. The basics for marketing stay the same. The basics for design stay the same. We went to school for a reason. There's definitely foundations and fundamentals that we learned. But what we do with it now, that's, that's just huge and limitless. And there's a lot that you can do.
0: Yeah, and also I was just talking about the same talking uh, meetup uh, a few days ago, last week, I think. It's like a design meetup in Zagreb, Croatia, my hometown. They invited me to chat a little bit about uh, imposter syndrome. Coincidentally, we are talking about the same topic today, so it's very fresh in my head. But anyway, I mentioned that what helped me, and I bet this tip might help like 99% of people. I was feeling very insecure when I started working in my first Finnish startup For those who are just joining today's episode, I'm living in Finland. I was super scared that I'm going to be discovered as a person who doesn't know anything and everything will crumble down and I'm going to be homeless and I will die. Mostly because my school background is not super product design. I I finished like artsy schools, but definitely not... Anything digital and definitely not not anything related to product design, user experience, interface design, visuals. Like, no way. Everything, I know it was my work, just doing random stuff by myself. So that was a source of my insecurity. I was like, yeah, all these people, they have fancy schools and I'm, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. And uh, basically, things get worse when I was not just designing with other people who, doesn't know anything about design as well, developers or like just the admin roles. Uh, CMO was hired for the first time and she was from Supercell. She was in marketing there and I was like, oh my God, like this will, this will end me. This is, this is it. This is how I die. Like I'm going to be finally discovered as the fraud. (laughs) And uh, I was in fear every freaking day. What I noticed uh, with working with her is that she unlocks like some extra layers of my creativity. And that was like super cool for me. I think she made me a little bit better designer or at least creative thinker during our time working together. But still, I was like, oh my God, I needed to do a brand book or something. I never did one. I didn't know what it consists of or stuff like that. I had to like quickly educate myself on the topic, which I did. And then I realized, okay, so basically constantly learning actually helps with uh, relieving this awful, awful feeling in your stomach you have every time you feel insecure. So my tip for everybody, okay, this is especially for designers, but it can be applicable for marketing specialists as well. The most common reason of imposter syndrome or fear at work that I hear from designers is I don't know how to code and I, I feel insecure and it's hard to work with developers, blah, blah, blah. Yes, and it's not a part of your job to know development. This is why we have developers. However, if you want to be efficient in 2020 and further, you really need to know some basics. So it will be easier for everybody if everybody knows a little bit of something uh, that other people do. And it's so affordable and easy to learn, you know, this very small basics when it comes to for example coding anyone can do it like seriously and uh, if you feel that way just open youtube it's free like just just google technology your developer is using and watch 10 videos and that's it you will feel so much better you will definitely get information you never had before write it down have your notes on a meeting or whatever and it will bring a little bit more security when you're conversing with people who are talking in like robots, I don't know, like weird. So yeah, learning. So people who don't learn? Well, yes, I can I can see this imposter syndrome or just like fear happening often. And my remedy for that is keep learning. What do you think about that?
1: I agree. I think that's very important also in marketing. And I also agree with the point that in 2020, everyone needs to be open to learning and open to finding out more, especially on the dev side and just some of the basics in design in development are very, very useful and will bring you a long way because that way you're not bothering your dev all the time so that if you do need a special fix, they might actually be more open to hearing your your question and qualm and the same thing with the designer. If, if you can do that quick fix in Photoshop, for instance, then you don't need to start a whole big process, especially when they're swamped at the moment. For me personally, I think it's really important. And I'm I value that I have the knowledge that I have so that I can make those fixes and so that I can feel more comfortable knowing with what I'm asking of others.
0: But, you know, also like uh, these these feelings are more common with ladies than with guys I heard that from many people different stories but I remember many years ago this one very popular technological online magazine was making a first women conference in Croatia Zagreb and it was like only for women and the point was to kind of connect people in the industry through like this conference, I don't know, it was like some extended meetup, if you ask me, it was like a little bit weird. I mean, the idea is like fine, because obviously, ladies need a push in IT, or I mean, we can go into these reasons in some other episode. But the point was on the panel, like we had like, I don't know, five panels, and then uh, different entrepreneurs talked about their experiences their thoughts and everything like that like from you know freelancers to somebody who leads a super massive team in this well known company so many angles and basically what they all agreed upon is when they for example received resumes for, for a certain job ladies would needed to check 99% of the job description and then they would feel like okay it's okay for me to apply for this job Whereas uh, if guys were applying like, oh, I satisfy like three, great, I'm going to apply. And also what um, like managers and bosses on this panel said. So basically they were in charge uh, of hiring and promoting people. They said that women rarely ask for a promotion if they even asked. Guys were asking a lot more. And when it comes to salary negotiating... They were asking extremely much for very little knowledge they were offering, actually. With the women, it was quite the opposite. So, yeah, I, I, I have an attitude that this is more common with us because of various things that we have to go through during our upbringing. <laughs> but I don't know how to fix this. And it makes me a little bit like sad because this is one of the root problems why I work rarely with women developers or women designers, to be quite honest, and it's a little bit depressing. Do, do you have some opinions about that topic?
1: Well, pretty much I agree with you, and I think it it is sad and kind of still the truth, unfortunately, but I hope that, especially nowadays, having discussed topics like what it really takes to become an expert or how much knowledge you really need to have to specialize, that especially removing thoughts like that will help also other women move forward and be more brave in terms of salary negotiations, promotions, in terms of just going on panels. I mean, in in the events that I have organized, this is more from early days, so about 10 years ago rather than today. I remember we had asked a lot of different speakers on the panels, regardless of who it was, just a, a ton of different speakers and in the end i think we had no female keynotes in the end and a lot of there was a lot of uproar from the audience saying why were there no women involved why are the women in tech not being shown and it was less of the women not being asked it was less of the women committing to this so that's why for for us ladies it was a little unfortunate because we organized this whole thing and we wanted to showcase strong empowered professionals of any gender, and that was for us then a, a sad truth that a lot of the women in the end caved and said, actually, and maybe they caved for reasons. I don't know this, but I'm assuming they might've caved for reasons similar to what I expressed, saying that they might not have felt like the expert on it and sitting up there with a bunch of men, I guess, in that topic was did not make them feel comfortable because they knew who the other keynote speakers were. This is just something that I can assume. I don't know this for sure, but I would hope that this attitude changes now and that we're all comfortable in saying, we know how much we know and that's what we can share and that's the experience that we can pass on. So hopefully that is enough.
0: Yes, and one of the core reasons why I am exposing my face to the YouTube and podcasts is I want to be heard by other women. So they would see, oh, okay, I guess this is okay. Maybe I can do the same as well. For example, I have been, I don't know, I just started watching YouTube randomly like a year and a half ago. i never watched it before. It was like extremely random and I got sucked into it like immediately. It was weird experience. But anyway, over the time I realized, oh my God, I want to do that. I think this is super fun. And I was starting to follow this like topic of uh, cinematography and photography and, you know, all that uh, camera related, video related stuff and tech reviews. All of them were guys. I saw zero women content creators. And then I discovered a couple of them. And it was like, uh-huh, okay, okay, now we're talking. And this is when I was like, okay, maybe maybe I can have a channel as well. I mean, it seems that it's okay. And sometimes they actually talk about these things among themselves. And I remember in one um, episode, I think her name is Sarah Dici or something like that. I was actually listening to her podcast this morning or something. But anyway, yeah, no, it was not Sarah. It was Lizzie Pierce. If anyone is into that sphere, they will know the names. But anyway, it's not important. She said, you know what? I I really wish that there are more women doing photography and videography stuff on YouTube. So this is one of the core reasons why I started mine. Her fiancé, husband or whatever... He's also a photographer and videographer and he has a very successful channel and they have their business together. He's like a little bit more successful on YouTube because he started earlier. And I would hate to say because he's a man as well, but I'll just put it there. But anyway, she told in one video that she wanted to attract more women in the topic of photography and videography. And, you know, it was super cool for me to hear that and I got inspired a little bit. So... By putting this content out there, I hope someday some women will hear it, like me rambling and I don't even know what, what is trampling over my English, and she'll be like, aha, I can do it as well. But to be quite honest, I have to digress a little bit here. My audience on YouTube is literally like 90, 95% men. I, I don't have anything against it and like, it's fine. I'm making this available for everybody. I would just love, uh, to share knowledge with women more, so they would have more courage to apply for IT jobs and stuff like that. And uh, I got many messages from the viewers, "Hey, can you help me with that?" La la la, and some uh, light mentoring or just like answering questions. They were all men, and uh, I just wish that in future at least one woman would approach with something that would make me so so happy it means like okay it worked if i helped one woman my job here is done but yeah uh, until that happens i'm going to push forward
1: well i think it's awesome and i think it's great that you have this channel or these various channels and are promoting yourself as well as a woman in tech so to speak and in ux design and product design so for me personally i think already you're you're goal and vision you're on a good path and you're achieving what you want to achieve so i think it's great thank you again for for letting me speak with you today so it's been really really fun so far and it is a very important topic
0: it is i'm super happy that you finally agreed to uh, have an episode with me i know it's very awkward and it's hard and uh, is this your first podcasting experience
1: it is my first podcast and it is my first podcast as myself rather Mm -hmm. than uh, the job where you're more focused on doing content, whether it's video through webinars or something like that, or podcasts, but then you're representing the company and you've pre scripted and mm. that's what you're focusing on. I haven't really done much in promoting myself that way. I've I've looked into when I've studied it, personal branding. And I remember getting really fascinated when I was writing my bachelor thesis on Dali and how he just shamelessly promoted this brand of himself. And then as a character, he was this very held back man. But when he was on stage, he was wearing diver suits and nearly suffocating. And it was just, it amazed me that there was so much, so much in there, so much to learn from, from personal branding. But then for myself, I've I've literally gone through everything we've discussed so far where I've said, well, am I really the expert? Maybe it's also kind of that that women <clears throat> or the, the female issue in the sense where I've kind of just doubted my confidence level and said, oh, but but speaking with Antonia today, but why? It's been so fun. It's been really easy. Why why be scared? And that's, I mean, for me, that's learning. Just dive in and try it out. Don't overthink it. You, you said that to me and I appreciate that yeah. you did.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let- people tend to overthink stuff and sometimes you just need to let it go. And do you think you will want to do episodes with me more in future?
1: Definitely. Let's let's choose some some other topics that we can dive really deep into.
0: Yeah, I would love. Like I'm super flexible with topics. I can I can ramble about absolutely anything. I might not have opinions, I I love to research before talking about something, but I can definitely ramble about whatever. I think that's enough for one episode. And I usually, with my friend from Stockholm, that's usually here uh, with me on my podcasts, we end with a message in our language, whatever that might be. So because you are now in Berlin, maybe you can say something in German to possible German listeners, and then I can say something in Croatian to potential Croatian listeners.
1: What I would say is probably what I've summarized before, and that you need to keep learning and being a generalist is...
0: Yeah, yeah, say it in German. German.
1: All right. Mm. Also, ich finde, man muss immer weiter, sich immer weiterbilden und immer weiter sich nicht als Experten darstellen muss, bevor man sich wohlfühlt dass ein Generalist genauso viel schaffen kann wie ein Specialist. Es geht nur darum, dass man
0: sich wohl genug fühlt und darf. Und das kann ich auch nur jedem. Well, that was very nice. I understood like three words. Okay, let, uh, let me say something to Croatian listeners. Hvala euch jednom na slušanju. Nadam se, netko netkos Balkana slušawei podcast akust. I to je to sad. Okay, we did it. (laughs) There's also like, I'm using this platform called anchor.fm and they have like this cool feature where somebody can just record their like voice message to you. It's like a voice comment of the episode or something. I don't know. I never got one, so I don't know how it actually works. But I just want to put it there. If you have some voice message for us, for me, for Lena or whatever... You can, you can just like do it on Anchor. You have the links in show notes, so you will figure it out. That's basically it. Any final words or that's it? Okay. Until next time. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks. Bye.